In this episode, we're going to talk about situation awareness, as I promised. We're going to talk about what some people call the levels of awareness. Some people refer them to like Cooper's colors. I don't like that at all. Not for this discussion. I think of them as types because they're not always bad. Some just happen and some are good for different situations. We're going to take a look at those so we can understand them. Realize they're not necessarily always bad. And then we're going to talk about some tips, little tips and tricks you can do. I don't think they're really tricks, but maybe you think they are. Help enhance your situation awareness. Take that mindset and turn it into a more developed skill. Figure out better ways, better techniques where I can enhance my natural memory to where my conscious and subconscious eventually starts picking up more stuff, bringing in more input that I am keeping track of in my mind so I know what's going on around me. So situation awareness, the types of it, how it works, and little things we can do to enhance our memory. That's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I, I listened to this podcast recently and it was about, I think it was about counter surveillance. Anyway, they weren't talking about whatever the subject matter was. That was very clear. But at some point they talk about situational awareness. And this is why I mentioned it on the last one is the preview for the show. They're like, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's paying attention. I was like, man, you're kind of an asshole. <laughs> that's condescending. It's, that's not fair to say. Here's why. Let me give you some examples. I was talking to this woman once, this is some years ago, that had the same job as me. And we were discussing situational awareness and we thought about this idea of it just paying attention. And the first thing that became obvious to us is like, well, we've gone through certain training, so there's things we are trained to pay attention to other people aren't. So if we're looking for, say, threats, active threats, and other people are not, does that make them wrong? We're like, well, no, because there are people that are in denial over types of threats that are realistic to them, but overall, types of threats we're looking for they weren't common to most people. So that wasn't fair to say that. So then we started looking at gender differences and it was kind of funny. I guess this is something, I don't know if society drove me to it. I should have assumed, but it kind of caught me off guard. She said, you know what we pay attention to that you don't. As women, I was like, what? People's shoes. You know, some of us really like shoes, but even if we don't, we pay attention to things more about, does this match? Does this go together? What kind of shoes they have? And I was like, wow, maybe that's why we talk about it so much. Because so many of us are men, we don't pay attention to shoes. I'll give you an example. I am currently with one of my closest friends that I've known for 15, 16 years. We were interrogators together. And we were having this conversation the other day about roofing, <laughs> which is not my thing. But we were talking about these people going up on roofs because of hail damage out here in Oklahoma. And the discussion came into footwear about what people wear on these roofs and these type of soft-soled something this guy had that are just magic that save him so much time. And so he shows me what he's wearing and they're these boots, but they weren't just boots. They were cowboy boots. Now they were the type that have like the working man's sole. That's what I call them. They weren't like the smooth ones for riding horses or whatever. And my thought in my head was, did I even know this guy owned these? Did I even know that he wore cowboy boots? I mean, I pay attention to things and sometimes I really intently try, but I thought about this episode that I needed to do and remember that conversation with him was like, yeah. Yeah, there are things that are inherent we pay attention to because of culture, because of race, ethnicity, because of gender or sexuality. I had a friend who's gay. I haven't seen him in a while, but we were talking about a similar subject and we were in a baseball stadium heading over to get some beers and use the restroom and we started talking about it and the subject came up and he, he kind of wanted to know. He was like, so being a straight guy, I got to ask you. 
because I realize there's a lot of attractive, like really attractive women. Do you notice them? I'm like, uh, yeah, I try very hard not to make it. I mean, that day I was trying hard. Usually I don't have to try hard at all, but it's like, I'm trying very hard not to make it obvious, not to oogle them. Enough people are doing that anyway, but yeah, it's, it's hard, you know? And he goes, okay. But then he asked this question. He goes, I wonder if it's cause I'm a man. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, I notice hot guys because I'm gay and they're attractive. But then he said, I wonder if that's how it works for women too. And I was like, I don't know, but it got me back onto this subject thinking about it. So it's more than paying attention. What it goes back to is something I've said before in this entire scheme of the things we talk about, whether it's researching open source intelligence, espionage practices, building report, asking questions, detecting deception, being deceptive, any of the things we do, any of the things I talk about on here, situational is no different. Everything is done with intent, meaning it's a conscious planned effort. That's the difference. That's why I say it's paying attention on steroids. It's not fair to look at a young child who's five years old when you're 35 and say they weren't paying attention. Maybe they weren't, but a lot of times based on their age, their development, brain development, paying attention and processing information at the speed in which they can do it. That's different than what you can do. So that's why I say it goes far beyond just saying paying attention. It's done with intent. And that is the difference. So that being said, what we want to look at are the types or levels as some people like to call them. Some people use the Cooper's colors. You can look that up. That's kind of a, I don't know if they call it situational awareness or defensive posture, but it has to do with the idea of law enforcement, people carrying firearms, and kind of the mental state in which they're in. And so when we have this, there's kind of different types of it. First and foremost, there's situational awareness that you pretty much don't have much at all. It's like daydreaming. When I was in the infantry, I remember, I know a lot of guys did this, but I was in the infantry and we would road march on roads. So we'd wear these heavy backpacks. We called them rucksacks and we'd walk forever. I mean, sometimes 50, 60 miles, but usually they were 10, 12 miles. You'd do them at night. I don't know if it's because we're exhausted or we're just so used to it. And we'd just be like, crap, where'd the last three miles go? It's kind of that idea where the guy drives home after he's drinking. He doesn't remember anything, but imagine doing that sober. I mean, how many times have you driven even, not sure if you're tired or not. Maybe it was late at night. Maybe it's during the day. And you're like, I don't remember going through that intersection. But you knew you weren't asleep because your mind's engrossed in thought. That's a type of situational awareness. I call it not having any. But it's one way to look at it. It's like there are things that will get your attention, but they're going to come up on you fast. Like maybe you're so engrossed in thought, you've just kind of blocked out the kids throwing down in the back seat fighting. And it might take a car wreck to get your attention. But that is a type of situational awareness. It's very, very minimal. It takes almost physical or trauma to shake you from it. Or you just kind of wake up. Now, a lot of us have done that. I've done it too. And I like to be, I like to use examples on here based on myself. So I'm not going to blow smoke up your skirt, as we used to say. I've done it too. I still do it. It's exhausting and painful and difficult to be actively, intently doing all the stuff I was trained to do, having done it in my everyday life even now. I try not to get this way, especially towing a trailer driving the highway, but it happens. And it happens sometimes when we're not doing it, we're just sitting there, sitting on the lawn. It happens to me every time I stare at a campfire. Now, another one is what we kind of hope 
most of us are in or probably are in. A lot of us think we're in a different type, but this is kind of relaxed. Relaxed awareness is sometimes compared to defensive driving. Now, when you think about defensive driving, how do you classify that? Because some people might put that into a more focused situation, but relaxed awareness. You're aware there are other cars in the road. Okay, you're driving down the freeway. You're either looking so because you're an aggressive driver and you want to get past and get farther sooner because you know traffic's coming or you're just paying attention to the guy who's doing that and making sure that everybody's aware of what's going on the best you can. Or you can see what people are doing because you don't want no crazy guy or somebody not paying attention to cause you to be late or be in an accident. And that's kind of where that relaxed in it. You're aware of what's going on based on what you're doing at that time. You can still enjoy what you're doing. You're you're probably paying attention to the road, but you're maybe you're looking at the scenery a little bit. Or you're listening to the radio. You're singing along with the radio. You're listening to this podcast while you're driving right now. But you're also looking aware because you got a place to go. Or you're listening to this podcast, you got your GPS on, going to a place you've been a thousand times, just so you don't have to look for the turn. Just so you can think more about this podcast. You're in a relaxed state of situational awareness. You don't get so engrossed in the thought that you're unaware of everything, but it's very easy to transition to that. You're enjoying what you're doing, but you're looking for those hazards, those cautions. And we take that same idea from driving and we put that in any other aspect of our life. Now, let's put this into something a little more important. Like when I train people with firearms, I don't get into this state. I definitely don't get into the, I'm not paying attention to anything state. I don't get into the state. I do enjoy training and teaching, but it's dangerous for me to not be highly focused. And it's dangerous for everybody else not to have somebody highly focused. So there, that is to say, there are times like the example of driving where this is completely fine and appropriate. Sure. You should be more focused sometimes or in certain situations, probably you, definitely me and other people and you don't have to be trained like me. You could have been a guy who's been in one or two car wrecks in your life. There are times you're just switching it on to a higher level of focus, and then you're going back to relaxed. Some people don't, but it's okay. But then you go train with firearms. This is definitely bad. So that's why I'm saying they're not always good or bad. It depends on where they're at. Now, your next one, that's your hazard conditions, extremely focused. Let's use driving again. Maybe... Like when I was in Arizona, when it's summer, 27 months out of the year, and then all of a sudden the monsoons come, right? Everybody gets really focused when the rain comes the first time. In fact, so focused, they do it the first three months the rain comes, it seems like. Way beyond what's practical, but a lot of you know, when it's been dry for a long time on a road used by millions of cars, when the rain comes and mixes with that oil, it gets very dangerous. Or when that first snow comes. Or like when I was down in Arkansas, one thing they were thinking about when it snowed down there that I shared, oh boy, they expected ice storms. And it had been really wet and damp, so they expected it to be icy. And then ice storms or sleet or snow on top of that makes it really, really slick. So those people, more focused. That's the area I stay in when I train with firearms. When I am in rush hour traffic, especially in places like Tacoma, Washington, where people have become crazy, I pay more attention this situation of how intently we are, where we're looking for everything around us, even we're not sure what we should be looking for. We're looking at everybody. We're not taking cell phone calls. We're like, oh my gosh, look at this traffic. That guy's on his cell phone. He's not paying attention. And we're doing all this thing. We like to pretend 
this is what we're doing all the time, but we're not because it's mentally exhausting. It's a very mentally involved situation. And you're constantly looking for every little thing. And you know what? There's times where it's not stressful, though. What about if you're taking a class? A class you're interested in, you want to learn more. Maybe it's something fun. Maybe it is a college class because you really need it, but you love that subject and you want to do it. Or it's highly technical involved. Or maybe you're learning a new skill. You're so focused and paying so much attention, you avoid other distractions. You look for more information. You look for more input. That's why I described in the car looking around going, oh my God, this guy's doing this. Oh my God, that guy's doing that. Oh, that guy's smart. And that focused awareness is the one time without training or any amount of skill, we are naturally looking with intent for more information. That is to say, in the espionage world, we hope that people have to live like this. They're at that level all the time. Even when they're asleep, which is unrealistic, that's what we hope for. Now we have where it goes to the opposite end. We're looking at the other side of that awareness where we're just kind of zoning out. Remember, engrossed in thought, kids are fighting. I don't know what's going on. It's going to take trauma. You know, the polar opposite of that, that's your high alert. That's when things happen like adrenaline, chemical reactions in the body. That's when people typically start praying. And here's the thing, having been more, but seeing other types of catastrophe, and some of you out there probably seen it too, people take certain situations differently. There may be somebody in a situation that has adrenaline, has fear or excitement or something, and the guy next to him is just chill. You know why? They've been there before. Or they're prepared for it. Sometimes this level of high alert only lasts for an instant. When we're driving down the road and that deer or that elk or God forbid a moose comes out in front of you, oh, we're awake now. Or what about driving down, because this has happened to me, not since I've had this trailer, but this has happened to me, driving across country, driving late at night, doing whatever, not realizing I might even be sleepy. Just got some coffee, took a five-hour energy, took a break, walked the dog, haven't eaten anything sugary or any carbs, feeling good. Maybe listen to a podcast. The next thing you know, I feel that bump on the road. And I get that hit of adrenaline and realize, oh my gosh, I was starting to get tired and I didn't realize it. And the adrenaline comes. That's that high level of alertness be great if we could be there all the time and pay attention to everything but it would physically exhaust us this one's more physical and it comes as it's that way now i know what you're thinking well couldn't it be physical and chemical well yeah it sure could it could be mental and physical because they don't have to exist for any specific period of time it really depends on what's going on so you could in fact be at a level of awareness where you're paying attention to nothing driving down the road. Then somebody gets too close to your honks or horn and that wakes you up a little bit. Maybe you don't even have the adrenaline yet, but then you see a car wreck because that person was crazy. Now you're at a real focus level, but because you focused on it too much, even because you couldn't control it. Cause remember you can control and not control. Some of this is going to happen, especially when it's physical or chemical, whether you want it to or not, but you can institute controls. But then because you paid attention to them because they got in a car wreck, because that seems logical, you got in a car wreck. And now 
you're really paying attention. In fact, what if that car wreck was so bad you got to another type, like you're in a coma? When you freeze, there's so much input, so much stimulus, so much on the spectrum coming in. You're petrified, you're panicking, paralysis from fear or paralysis from injury where you can't do anything or mental paralysis of some type that is affecting your ability to do things. That's a type of awareness. When you're like that, your brain can cease to process information and that can put you into shock, physically put you into shock or into something as small as denial. You can actually be in such a state where you're taking so much in, it's overwhelming you and you actually see and process everything. And there are people to a large extent that actually do this all the time that have things that we classify as types of mental illness, depending on what they are, or they're just taking in things differently. The point is to say, they're not all bad. I mean, unless you're in a physical coma, there's a place for them. That last one, I wouldn't say it's bad, but it's definitely not preferred, but it's being overwhelmed. It just can be overwhelmed to the point it can be physically or mentally beyond that. Well, I'm not sure what to do or there's so much to do. I don't know where to start beyond that type of overwhelm to where you are short of a medically diagnosed coma. So we can practice these things. What are some things we do? I've talked about, and if you look at some of the situational awareness stuff I've done before, if you haven't listened to the show long, go back to some earlier stuff on situational awareness and body language. Talked about being in restaurants, depth of hearing, way to hear different things. But here's some simple things you can do. Start small is the thing. Start small. So if you're driving down the road right now and you wanted to practice for a little bit, a few miles or maybe a few minutes, look for red cars. Keep it that simple. How many red cars do I see? Or how many red trucks? You know, how many silver cars? And that's interesting when you start picking some of these neutral colors and depending on how much sun you have and reflection, you want to pick the tan or the silver. Or let's say it's a little bit darker or stormy and you want to pick out blue cars, but yet some blue and black and dark green ones all look the same. It forces your brain to practice and try to identify and separate these images. It's the same idea as saying... The exercise where you just kind of, I mean, people do do yoga, but we did it too, where you close your eyes and just listen to everything around you. But what if you wanted to isolate one of those sounds, right? But let's do it visually. We're going to focus on the visual because a lot of things I've done in the past has been on the hearing. So let's focus on the visual. So red cars. How about this? You go to a restaurant. What are some things we know are common in a restaurant? Coffee. That's pretty common, especially in the morning. We also know the water glass. There's that. Start with those. How about how many people are not drinking coffee? Because so many do anymore. Or if it's another time of day, how many people don't have a water glass? Or of the people that have water glasses, how many people aren't drinking from it? Or how many people drink with straws? These are fairly innocuous, but what it does is it takes your brain to focus on finding something that's there, that's available information in your perspective, but is small enough that your brain has to actively focus on it. Okay, don't try to memorize every license plate. I mean, maybe you're there. Maybe you're at that level. But you know what you could do? You could walk through and look at license plates and say, how many are out of state? Or find out, go to your DMV, DOL, whatever you got, and you'll learn you got a lot of license plates in your state. Find out who's got different ones. Notice that. I mean, we notice stickers, right? We notice stick figure families. We notice veteran stickers. We notice political stickers. But did you notice what kind of plate they had? There's that option. 
What about, let's say you go to a place that's semi-formal or formal, like a dance or a business function or church. How many people are wearing collared shirts or how many men are wearing ties? How many men are not wearing ties? What we do with this is we learn that as we're doing it without intent, we'll start picking up other things. For example, if you go looking to see how many men are wearing a collared shirt without a tie, you know what you're also going to notice? Ties, because you're looking for the exact opposite. You will find that there are things you're going to start naturally doing that you are not intending on doing and realizing that if you want to expand these skills, you don't want to go layers deep on the same subject. You want to pick an entire another idea because there are things you're going to do naturally. How many people are drinking from the water glass? You're going to, or how many people are not doing something? You're going to notice how many people are doing it. That's why I'm choosing the phrasing to say something that is common, who's not doing it? Why? Because when we talk about things in the past, like baseline, standing out, the entire gray man concept, people, and we haven't even covered all of what a gray man really is, but we've looked at some of it. A lot of it is about what we would call the norm of the baseline. What stands out? Who doesn't do that? So when you say, I want to see how many people are not drinking coffee, it's because in this exercise, you've identified coffee drinkers as your baseline. This will help you identify those baselines in different situations. That's why we start small, right? Like there's families out there with kids where, wait, I haven't heard the kids in 10 minutes. Somebody's about to die and they freak out and go look for them. Or the kids get loud and somebody screams and they go in there and start whooping some ass. Why? Because that never happens. It's out of the baseline norm. But those are part of our natural environment. We've learned and grown to accept because of the repetitive process of it. And we know those situations. But now we're taking a situation we're not that familiar with. And we're choosing to put rules and conditions on it to learn more. That's why we're doing it. Pick other objects. Pick items of clothing. Who's wearing strapless dresses? Who's wearing high heels? Who's not? Who's wearing boots? Who's wearing shoes? Who has a stick shift? Right? Go through the store. How many people go through the store clockwise versus counterclockwise? How many people are going up and down every aisle? How many people are picking aisles? How many people only stay on the perimeter? Because you know that there's people that only shop the perimeter of the store and some that only shop the interior. How many people do I notice when they're getting clothes, try them on and other people don't? Or how many people are going back to trying on pants but are not trying on clothes? Little everyday normal things. Like think about your favorite place in your house, your bedroom maybe your office, maybe your living room, whatever it is, the room you set up, the room you put together, the room you use all the time, and make sure it's a room you keep somewhat clean and organized if you don't the rest of your house. And if you can't do that, make it a small area desk or something. Without going in and looking at it, make a list. Write down where everything is in those drawers, that area you intimately know so well. Draw a picture of it best you can. Point out where things are. Like you're going to tell somebody how to go in there and find every little thing and then go check yourself and see how much you miss so that you realize there are things you forgot about. And some of those will be in your subconscious, be like, oh, how'd I forget that? And then other things you're like, huh, that's there? Because as much as you pay attention, you weren't situationally aware of all the aspects, and that's to tell us two things. One, it's far more than just paying attention, and two, you will always miss things. Okay, you're not a robot. There are things you are going to miss. 
But later you're going to learn there's things that's okay to ignore in some situations. So that's how we want to take these steps. The real step is just identifying something simple. That's all it is. Hey, you're a teacher at school. You've been around those kids who didn't get a haircut this week. Right? You probably already know somebody got a haircut, especially if it's significant. How, who didn't? Because when we see that change, that change stands out. We focus in on it and blur the rest of the background. So let's put the background in focus. I've identified the standout. Great. Let's put you aside. Let's go to the background information. It's always there. Let's put that in focus and say, well, who didn't? What else does that do? Well, when we're looking at some of that open source information, we're reading those articles. Remember the stuff I've talked about? Getting rid of the adjectives, for example. What are we doing there? We're ignoring or setting aside some of those obvious focus things they put in focus for us. And we're taking the background information and putting it in focus ourselves. We're not letting people control our thought process. And then we're trying to identify those different things. This is part of situational awareness. So wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, whatever part of the day you want to do it, little things, you will find other things naturally come. Then you go pick something else, pick an entire different subject. You want to pick red cars? Great. Pick red cars. But your next subject, don't look for lifted trucks. Look for something that has nothing to do with cars. Maybe nothing that has to do with driving. Maybe how many people singing in their cars, you know, or if you're tired of doing that, just wait till you get to the office or get home. Do it when you're watching TV. I bet a lot of you out there watch sports. One of the things that happen in sports, they show the crowd. Choose what you're going to look for in the crowd. Don't see something and then look for the rest of them unless that was important to you. Choose what you're going to look for. I'm going to look for how many people are wearing shirts supporting a team that is not in this game. Something specific, something that you know and understand that you can find. And that's going to help you with your situational awareness. That's going to help you start noticing things because you're going to find out all kinds of stuff. You're going to find out that you can just pick things up naturally, that there's things you weren't looking for that are there. You're going to find that there's different things that draw to your attention now, things that you probably would have missed if you're honest with yourself had you not chose to focus on this one area and then you can go down that rabbit hole if it is one or that path and find the information. So situational awareness, it's not that it's hard. It's like everything I talk about. It's far more in-depth, but somewhat simple compared to what most people say. And there's a difference between people that think they know about it or have done it or people that want to talk about it and oversimplify it to sound like they know something and those that know better. And I'm not tooting my own horn here. There's plenty of people that know more about this than me. Some of me out there doing shows like this. But I'm saying, let's translate this in the way that for those who want to do it can do something simple. And I guarantee you, many of you out there are probably doing this right now or have been ever since I've been talking. In fact, did you know that we do situational awareness exercises that a lot of things I do when I talk on here and I give you examples of things to do and things I do repeatedly is actually to subconsciously train you to start doing things like situational awareness? If you've been listening to this show for a long time, how many times have you heard me use the example, look around your house, your car right now, and everything made out of plastic because that came from a petroleum-based product known as crude oil, most likely from some country. How many times have I brought that up? How many times have I brought it up over the years? You know what that does? Forces you to look around and be situation aware. There are things on here I happen to say, but many things I say on here are pre-planned to support and reinforce some of the ideas or training that trying to get you into the perspective of doing things, trying to get you into the habit of looking around and seeing what's in your area, trying to get you to be aware, whether mentally or situationally. 
what mentally or situationally? Yeah. Situational. These are situational. That's why it's called situational awareness. It's not called constant awareness. It's for that situation. I'm not saying you can't practice it or do it all the time anywhere you are, but to say that you have extremely focused or high alert type of situation awareness all the time, not, not only is probably garbage and bullshit to be honest with you, it doesn't function necessarily the same driving down the road as it does walking into church, as it does leaving there, driving down the road again, as it does going to the grocery store, then going to the picnic, because those are different situations. Some of the ideas of what you do might be the same, but the circumstances are different. That's why it's called situational. That's why it's about paying attention to situations. And what is it really about? Well, it's just like the first one I did, how to predict the future. It's paying attention enough to, with a reasonable degree of certainty, see how things are going to play out. Sure, and some of it, it can be about looking for threats. Driving down the road, threat or not, might just be a road hazard. Might just be a carcass in the road or a pothole. It's like using that app Waze and people mark where the police are. They're sharing their situational awareness with you. Might just be that. 